You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn on there. Gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. And of course, you can find my illustrious co host who will be joining us live from Las Vegas here in just a minute, Mr. Dennis Bennett at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. We have a ton of other great podcasts that are associated with this network, including Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of others. If you want to listen to all these great podcasts for all of your one-stop shop fantasy advice, strategy, and help, go to fulltimefantasy.com. As I just mentioned, Dennis is live in Vegas. For those of you who who did not follow me on Twitter, don't follow me on Twitter. I was not able to make it. My flight was canceled, and I was not able to get out, unfortunately. So Dennis is sitting there live right now in the draft room. We're going to get him on here right now. We're going to talk about some of the the, the huge news going down with Julio and AB, and then we're going to discuss what his weekend was like in Vegas. I mentioned live from Las Vegas, we have Mr. Dennis Bennett. It's been quite a couple episodes since we've been able to get you on here. Dennis, how is Vegas and how's everything going? You know what? I don't know if I'm going to go home. <laughs> I've been having, it's 102. That's the only thing I think making me want to go home. Is that it's 102 and I don't want to go outside because sugar melts. <laughs> So, other than that, it's been fantastic. A lot of drafts going on. Some star power walking around. Eric Dickerson's been in here. Adam Ronis, uh, Sean Childs, Bill Enright, Scott Atkins, the mastermind behind all this, uh, Emil Cadillac. Lots of people, lots of drafters, you know, a lot of veterans in here uh, willing to kind of show a newbie like me uh, how to approach the uh, – 
high stakes a little bit. So it's been it's been quite a great experience. That that is awesome. So we wanted to get you live here. Uh, obviously, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you know that I was not able to to get out there. Unfortunately, my flight got canceled due to some mechanical issues Friday, uh, and so I'm stuck here still in Texas, unfortunately. I was really hoping to get out there and get to experience all of this with you, uh, but I know that you're representing us well out there, so hopefully... We're get, we will both get invited again next year as well, and that we can both attend that as well as the, the Midwest Expo. But we wanted to get on here and talk about, obviously, all of the the news that has come out here in the in the past 24 hours. Today alone has been a crazy day, uh, if, if you're following all the AB news. So let's go ahead and jump right into that, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about the whole Vegas experience and what it's been like for you in those drafts. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Uh, so let's start with the... All right, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just I was going to start with Julio first because that's the easy one. Right. I figure let's go okay. ahead and knock Julio out. That way we can spend probably what feels like an hour talking about AB, which I'm honestly sick of tired and tired of talking about because me and Matt have been addressing that a lot here the past couple episodes. Julio gets a new deal. I believe it was. I just had it up on my phone and I lost it. Three years, $66 million extension. All right. So, well, I'll, get, I'll just jump right in. $64 million guaranteed. $64 million guaranteed, you said? Yep. All right. So, I'm just going to get your thoughts on it first. You're out there with all the big ballers in Vegas. What are all you guys talking about? What is everyone's thoughts out there about Julio Jones and this extension? Well, I think a lot of the reaction has been uh, it, it's in stark contrast to the way that Antonio Brown has gone about things. Julio kept coming to work, he didn't create a problem, kept building the relationship with his owner, and, you know, he's in a situation where he he can finish out his career there and be a Hall of Famer. Julio, Julio Jones is an exceptional wide receiver, not only from a fantasy standpoint, but from a professional football standpoint. And it kind of gives people, you know, he was hinting a little bit that he might be willing to, I don't want to say be disruptive, but he was kind of saying, you know, we kind of need to get this taken care of um, and not let it linger on. And Arthur Blank did that. Um, the agents worked together and they got everything done. And it's, it's uh, reassuring for those that own uh, Julio Jones shares. Yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit on Thursday's episode. Uh, Matt and I did. Uh, I didn't think that it was – I thought it was kind of much to do about nothing. We had already seen Arthur Blank come out just a couple days ago and said they were really close to getting the deal done. Uh, so I think Julio coming out and saying that was more of him just trying to – to push it toward that quicker and be like, hey, like, let's get this done now before the first game starts. Uh, I, I, everybody, it seemed like, kind of thought this deal was going to get done. And obviously, as you just mentioned, he, in, in my opinion, I'd imagine, as you just stated yours and a lot of others, he went about it the right way. He showed up. He did his job. He continues to produce on the field, and that's why he continues to get paid as one of the best wide receivers in the game. In fact, the contract he had before he signed this one had him paid as the 17th highest wide receiver, I believe, in the league, which is obviously not fair to him because you can argue he's one of the top three. Uh, so now he gets that money, and he is right up there. 
really fantasy-wise, that doesn't affect anything. We know he's getting paid. He's still an elite wide receiver, so so we're good there. Nothing really to address on the fantasy side. So let's go ahead and jump into the Antonio Brown news. So when we left, last left it off with me and Matt, none of this other stuff had really come out. We had already heard about the fight with Mike Mayock, and there was talks about them suspending him, but that had not happened yet. Then it came out that they were not going to suspend him. John Gruden said that he will play Monday night. Then they fined him and with that voided his guaranteed money, which meant that Antonio Brown had to show up and actually play on the field to earn his contract instead of his his contract being guaranteed the $29 million. He would earn that contract still, but he would have to play. He did lose out on some of the incentives. He pretty much came out then on Instagram and said, release me. Uh, He did not want to be a Raider anymore. They obliged him with that request about two hours later, at which point it felt like probably three hours later, he signs a one-year deal with the New England Patriots worth $9 million, can get up to $15 million with incentives. He cannot play tomorrow night against the Patriots or Sunday night, depending on when you guys listen to that. So it could be tonight, obviously. Uh... Cannot play with them due to them letting him go after the Thursday game. So he, the first game that he will be actually be able to play in is week two, which I'd imagine he will. Uh, Antonio Brown has already said his feet are fine. He was supposed to play Monday night with the Raiders, so I imagine after this one-week sit-out, he will be on the field with the Patriots. Again, me and Matt have been talking about this for the past couple days. I, I and am, and in all honesty, sick of it, as, as some of you who have seen, if you're following me on Twitter, the stuff I've been putting out there. So, Dennis... What's the thoughts? I mean, you guys are there in Vegas where Oakland is moving to next year. What's all the talk been about this uh, A-B drama and the way that it's unfolded today? Well, it was interesting to watch the sentiment towards the uh, uh, his ADP. Uh, this morning when I first came into the draft room, they were talking about, you know, when would you take would you take him in the fourth round would you take him in the fifth round he's been cut you know what's going to happen uh, in the two drafts that the, the one draft that i was in he ended up going at the uh two two eleven mm-hmm. and then the draft next to us he went at the 302 the 301 or 302. so he kind of stayed right around where his adp has been which has been the at end of the second beginning of the third but it had the sentiment earlier in the day was that people weren't going to be willing to take a chance on him uh, until probably the fourth or fifth round. I, I don't. Th- I have him on one of my uh, high stakes teams I drafted out here, and uh, I took him at the 201 through uh, a little bit of confusion, but <laughs> I, I kept him. And he, I don't. I think the first time he ends up having a game where. He gets two targets. Uh, he's going to end up being late for practice and maybe maybe missing practice. And I, I don't expect this to end well either. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. So let, let's talk about the fantasy side first. And I'm honestly not sure that this is a great landing spot for him. Obviously, coming into New England, everybody has high hopes because it is one of the better offenses in the league. You have one of the greatest coaches along with one of the greatest quarterbacks. But you also have Julian Edelman and Josh Gordon there. Nikhil Harry, when he comes back, assuming Antonio Brown lasts that long. You got James White out of the backfield. And as we have talked about many a times, New England has really looked like they're trying to move toward a more run-heavy offense. You have likely what's going to be a more Sony Michelle and Damian Harris-dominated game plan every single week, which means Antonio Brown is not going to get the targets we thought he was going to get in Oakland. 
or when he was in Pittsburgh. So he may only get five targets a game now compared to the double digits he was likely going to get in Oakland and what he was getting in Pittsburgh. So what do you think this means for him fantasy-wise? Because, you know, I'll just throw up the show bet that we made uh, back in the offseason. We had uh, Mr. Brandon Bangley and Kyle Matthew on with us, and all three of you guys said that you thought Amari Cooper would have a better season then Antonio Brown at the time, who who was still or was an Oakland Raider, he had just kind of come over to the Oakland Raiders, obviously. Uh, and I've gone the other way. I feel like this is an easy win for the three of you now in this one because there I don't see there's any way Antonio Brown produces as a top. I would almost say top wide receiver two. I feel like he's gonna be finishing in the middle tier of wide receiver twos now, landing here uh, with with the group of weapons that they have here. What are your thoughts on him and his fantasy? Output, assuming that he does spend the entire year there in New England. Well, I, I don't think it's fair to say that uh, it's an easy win for us on the bet now because it was always an easy win for us on the bet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that his target share, uh, you know, Julian Edelman is still going to get, he, he's, he's the guy that's going to lead that team in targets long as he stays healthy does this give the patriots exceptional wide receiver depth i think so who who is going to be the expendable player and it's likely going to be demarius thomas i think yeah uh, that ends up you know getting shown the door so josh gordon is going to play the role josh gordon is always going to play which is the big deep threat that can high point the ball a 50% catch rate on you know, 110 targets, 120 targets, 55, 60% maybe. So I think Josh Gordon's in for his 55 to 70 receptions and, and, and a good touchdown rate. Julian Edelman is gonna he's gonna be the PPR guy. He's gonna rack up points and yards and receptions. That's the role he plays in, in on that team. And he's exceptional at it. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer like a lot of people want to claim, but I think for right now, Edelman is, is great. Does that mean, so you know, where does Antonio fit now? He's going to then, he, he'll slot in for, you know, in the somewhere around the third or fourth in the pecking order for targets. James White will still probably get his, it seems. Uh, and if the team is running more with Sony Michelle, now all of a sudden uh, the targets become fewer and further between. So I think it could end up being a frustrating season for him as he tries to rehab his uh, uh, rehab his stock. Yeah. So it, it's. I think again, like I said earlier, I think he's going to really struggle because it's not about him. Patriots are about team, and he's going to try to fit in, and it's it's going to ultimately backfire for him because he, he can't take it. Yeah, so I think the only one that uh, it doesn't affect is probably Julian Edelman because we, we've seen that that's Tom's guy. We know Bill has a lot of respect for him as well. I think Julian Edelman, for the most part, fantasy stock-wise is fine, but I do think this affects Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. I, I do think that... 
they're likely going to try and scheme a little bit more to Antonio Brown because he is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Now, Josh Gordon, you might be able to argue, has the athletic talent to be right there with Antonio Brown, but he has yet to stay on the field and prove what Antonio Brown has. So I could see at some point in time Antonio Brown kind of becoming the second option in this offense and kind of in a way phasing Josh Gordon out, but I still don't think that that produces or puts him back up to a top 12 wide receiver. In fact, I also think this might drop Julian's a little bit. Some people thinking he had a chance to be that right in the bottom end, top 12, maybe top 15 wide receiver based on the targets he would get and, and being opposite Josh Gordon. I think that does hurt him a little bit, actually, having Antonio Brown there. The one person I would say gives a huge stock up to is Sony Michelle, and, and more to in a point that you have been talking about all season long and that you think they're going to ride him this season, and especially when they get into the red zone. Well, think about the fact that now – when they go three wide, you're going to have Antonio Brown, Julian Edelman, and Josh Gordon out there on the field. That's going to open up some running lanes because teams are not going to take those three wide receivers lightly. And if you get James White and Sonny Michelle on the, on the field at the same time, you know one linebacker knows they're going to have to cover James White or possibly a slot cornerback moving somebody else onto one of the other wide receivers. So I think Sonny Michelle is in for a huge year this year. And a guy that you could get in the fourth or fifth round in a lot of redraft leagues or later, I know in one league I got him in the sixth round, that could end up being a steal now in all the drafts with, with, that, uh, with, with the addition there of Antonio Brown. Yeah. I, I think it's gonna. It, I think the consistency is gonna be the issue. I, I yeah. think it'll be inconsistent between Brown, White, and Gordon, um, and, and that that might ultimately work itself out. Hopefully, it's not at the expense of uh, Josh Gordon's um, mental and sobriety. Yeah. Hell, um, but I, I think Antonio Brown. I don't know. I don't expect it to work out well, and you know, I, it. I didn't want him on this team that I have him on, uh, but I have him now, and it's a it's a no trade league, uh, and I'm certainly not going to cut him. Right. Yeah, I think um, it, just from that perspective, right now, you know, just speaking because they play tomorrow night. Obviously, again, as I mentioned, Antonio Brown can't play, but say come week two, and we'll obviously uh, we're not getting a chance to do any game previews this week. We were hoping to do it with both of us in Vegas, but again, that that unfortunately fell through for for me on my end. So we will definitely pick that up. Me and Dennis starting next week, but I would say going into that even. Uh, the only people I would feel really comfortable playing right now would be Sony Michelle and Julian Edelman on the Patriots, outside of Tom Brady, if you if you want to play him at quarterback. But I think I need to see what they're going to do with A.B. before I'd, I'd start him. If you want to throw him in as maybe a, a flex spot guy, then I, I could see it because you obviously, he, he, one play and he's gone to the house. But, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. He's someone I, I've avoided all offseason anyways, and so not having him anywhere has been good for me. Uh, and I know you got him at one spot there, and then we'll just we'll just jump right into that. We'll, we'll cut the breaking news here. Uh, I feel like that's kind of all the analysis we can give on Antonio Brown now. So let, let's go in and let's just talk about everything Vegas. You know, this has is, is been a phenomenal experience. Uh, Scott Atkins at uh, Full-Time Fantasy uh, has put together, and, and the Fantasy Football World Championships, put together a great event and uh, been going on since 2012. And he does it the right way. It's it, it's exciting to be to have our podcast uh, associated with his organization. Yeah. Uh, there's been just nonstop drafting going on since 
Thursday. They had drafts going. Uh, actually, I think Wednesday night was the first draft. Uh, and they have more drafts tomorrow, and I, I think maybe even Monday. And so it's the atmospheres. You've got all these guys in this big ballroom. There's ta tables of 12 people, and uh, uh, they call him the commissioner, but he's setting up. You're making the pick. Somebody's putting the stickers on the boards, and uh, the, the commissioner is running the timer and uh, entering them on your team as you go along. And so, it, you know, you want to make sure you've done your, your prep. I've had my computer with me the whole time, so I've got my uh, FTF uh, ADP out and, and my ranking list. And, you know, it's my first foray into higher stakes fantasy football. The one thing that I heard by most people is that you'll see people reaching because they want their guy. Right. And so there were some times that I just went and got my guy. I thought, especially because in the two drafts I did, I picked in the 11th spot and one and the 12th spot on the other. So I was at the end. So there was going to be a 20 or 22 pick run before I got a chance to pick again. So there were times I just went ahead and took my guy. Went for it. So who was... Uh... You being there and picking in the 11 and 12 spot, who uh, who's a couple of the guys that did – is there anybody you ended up uh, with on both teams? Like who, who's one of those guys you reached for to make sure you could get on both of those teams? Oddly, I don't know that I reached for them, but I ended up with Frank Gore on both teams. Okay. And uh, the other person I have on both teams is uh, Terry McLaurin. I like it. So, you know, Gore was interesting. He – you know, I took him, uh, see, in the 15th round in both leagues. And it was one of those things where I already had, what, he was my RB6 today. And one, two, my RB, my RB5 uh, okay. yesterday. So, you know, it, I, I feel like that, that running back situation in Buffalo – I want to buy into Devin Singletary, but I feel like Frank Gore is going to have a, a role. He's going to get, get that early down work, some of that short yardage work. He's going to, I feel like he's in for, you know, 175 carries, 800 yards kind of year. Uh, that's just kind of what he does at this point in his career, uh, in, in part because he stays healthy. T.J. Yeldon's a passing down back, and Devin Singletary is kind of a mix between the two of them. And so I think they want to – they're going to run with the committee until somebody expresses the uh, – until one of the backs really says, uh, this is my job and I'm taking it and I'm keeping it. We know that's not going to be T.J. Yeldon, and I think at this point in his career we know it's not going to be Frank Gore. Mm -hmm. So it may be Devin Singletary. He might just be dynamic enough, but he's 5'8 and 5'7, 5'8 and 200 pounds. So I feel like the natural tendency will be to uh, lighten the load for him. All right, so you mentioned. Uh, Terry, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'll, ask, oh, I'll wait a minute and ask my question. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, Terry McLaurin, I picked him late in, in both drafts, in the 18th round in one and the 20th round in the other. Um, so today, when I picked him in the 20th round, I, I was really leaning towards Brashad Perryman. Um, and it's, gosh, he was my my wide receiver, two, my wide receiver eight, McLaurin is today. 
And I was leaning towards Rashad Perryman because he's established. Uh, he's got a, I think he's got a clear role as the number three in Tampa, and they're going to throw the ball a lot. And then I thought to myself, but Terry McLaurin has the chance to be the number one wide receiver in Washington, whereas Brashad Perryman is always going to be the number three wide receiver in Tampa. And so I took the shot on McLaurin both times and took, took him late uh, with the opportunity to become uh, the number one on a team that's going to have to play from behind, much like Tampa Bay is. Uh, so for me, it was worth the gamble. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, me being the Buckeye fan that I am, I think McLaurin is going to, to have a great year, especially in a wide receiver core that is depleted of wide receivers. That was, a, in all honesty, one of the rumored destinations A.B. might end up at earlier before the Patriots really kind of became the, the place he was going to go. Uh, so my question was, obviously, uh, it sounds like to me that this is, is this a best ball league? You had talked about there's no... Uh, no trades or anything like that. Are you allowed to pick people up off the waiver wire? Is it once you've drafted, that's the team you have, the best players get plugged in every week? And uh, how, what, what are the lineup restrictions and, and everything that's set up with the league? No, it's it's not best ball. Okay. But, and, but there is waivers. There's just not any trading. So you have to set your lineup each week. Make sure your guys are in. Uh, you, you've got a couple days each week where you can do waivers. And uh, it, so, like, it, on both teams, uh, I obviously only drafted one defense, uh, only drafted one kicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and today I only drafted one tight end. So I'm going to have to play the waiver wire a little bit and see how that shakes out. And how many, uh, how many rounds is it? 20. 20. Okay, gotcha. All right, so what uh, what are the is it just regular starting lineup? Is it court one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, flex, all that good stuff, or do they mix it up more flexes, more wide receivers? No, it's uh, it's uh, two running backs, two wide receivers, two flexes, I believe. Okay. Awesome. Could, all right. Could be three wide receivers, one flex. Some of the full time fantasies are, you know, some of them have two and three. Uh, and some of two, three, one, some are two, two, two. Gotcha. All right, so let's go. Uh, you said you did your first draft yesterday around 8 p.m. That's when uh, we were supposed to obviously do do our podcast. We were going to be recording live as you were doing that and talking about it. So give us a rundown of your team. What, what did your team end up with? And then uh, uh, just kind of give us your thought process as you were going through some of the picks and the guys that you got. So uh, – there was a little confusion at the beginning of this, and, and so I ended up getting auto-picked with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown at, at the 112 and 201. Well, Bell was the guy I was trying to draft. I was trying to draft James Conner, who actually went at the 202. Um, I just, I, I, like I said, I don't, I'm, I'm not buying into Antonio Brown. I don't care where he goes. I don't think there's going to be a resurgence. And the effect of that then became I, I sort of, for the next few rounds, I, I felt like I needed to have a little bit more upside uh, or volume. So I ended up in the at the three twelve. I went with Kenny Galladay. He's the he's the stud, the number one in Detroit. Turned around and followed him up with Julian Edelman. Uh, obviously, this was before they signed Brown, um, but expecting that Edelman was going to get. Uh, a lot of targets and push for 100 receptions. And then I, I went ahead and uh, er, went early for a big upside quarterback in the fifth. I, I took Deshaun Watson. 
and I felt like that was a little out of character for me. Uh, I don't really go for the quarterback that early. But in this case, I felt because of the Brown situation on my team that I needed to go for, I needed to look at one position and just see if I could get one of the top players uh, at that position at this point. And Watson was the guy, uh, the, the top three tight ends were gone. Uh, and, and it needed to be the quarterback. So I went ahead and, and grabbed Deshaun Watson in the fifth, followed him up with Mark Ingram in the sixth, another high-volume guy, or expected high-volume guy. Corey Davis, uh, I, I, in the seventh, I just felt like that was that was too good a value to pass up. And uh, I, I did, I, I then, you know, after Thursday night's game, the, the Green Bay-Chicago game, watching how they used Tariq Cohen, uh, I went ahead and took a shot at Cohen. I can play him as a flex play uh, or in a bye week running back. And if he's going to get 10 targets a game, you know, that can be very productive for me. Uh, and then I, here's the here's the, the shot, the one that's going to shock you the most, I think. All right. Uh, uh, in the, uh, what round was that? The nine, ninth round took DK Metcalf. Wow. Okay. I like it. Bold. Now, Again, I was looking at this team going, I need to be able to make up some points. I need some explosiveness. Uh, hopefully, he settles into a, a prominent role. Uh, he's going to be the starter there in Seattle. And hopefully, he gets uh, a consistent target volume. And, and since it's likely going to be a deep ball target volume, there should be ample room for yardage and touchdowns even though he's going to probably uh, not have the number of targets I would normally want out of, you know, a, a top five wide receiver. You know, I did handcuff Ty Montgomery with uh, Le'Veon Bell, wrapped up my uh, wide receivers with Zay Jones, my guy Preston Williams, McLaurin, and then took a shot on John Ross in the 20th round. I was like, you know, might as well. Uh, I grabbed a second quarterback and Dak Prescott, I am a little thin on running back on this team. I did only take four running backs with Bell, Ingram, or I took five, Bell, Ingram, Cohen, Montgomery, and Frank Gore. So that might end up biting me in the ass. Uh, but I've got a, I think I've got a pretty solid team uh, the rest of the way. Matt Bryan, a kicker, the Dallas Cowboys defense. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I thought about Jacksonville's defense, but I just couldn't. I couldn't see taking Jacksonville with them playing Kansas City week one. I would have had to have taken a second defense, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I just passed. Let somebody else take two defenses. All right, so then how did uh, how did your second draft play out? Now, the second draft, I was fully present. <laughs> uh, I, you know, from the 11th spot. And, you know, I debated that I, you know, I, I kind of looked at it from the standpoint of do I want to go – wide receiver running back or do I want to go wide receiver wide receiver I've done some drafts and I've started off running back heavy in the back half of the draft uh, in in one of the home leagues uh, we have up there in Columbus uh, the Ohio fantasy football analyst league you know I started my first four rounds with running backs from the nine spot Uh, but here out of the 11 I went Juju and followed him up with Tyreek Hill Okay. I'm like I'm gonna take two, two guys, from 
two of the best offenses in the league. Uh, no, I'm not going to be able to get my home probably. Um, now I could have, but I gambled, and so I didn't get my homes. Um, and then I went with Josh Jacobs at 311. Uh, running backs were starting to get thin, and I thought my thinking is, with AB gone, you know, some of the targets are going to need to go to the running back a little heavier. Uh, yeah, Jalen Richard kind of fills that role, but I think that from a snap perspective, I feel like uh, Josh Jacobs is going to be given the opportunity. I'm not as high on him as a lot of people, but I thought, uh, let's take the shot. So I took Jacobs at 311. Uh, over Mahomes, I was, cause my plan was to go Jacobs at the 311 and Mahomes at the 402. Uh, and then Jake, uh, the guy after me took Mahomes at 312. So I ended up going Sony Michelle. I love the touchdown upside with Michelle. Uh, I, I think he's going to. He's, he's looking at a 15-touchdown season. Yeah. It's going to be a big year for him. Uh, I rounded out my running backs in this league, went a little more running back heavy, uh, went Duke Johnson, and then with my next one in the uh, – oh, which round was that? Uh, in the 10th round, I, I did a my guy pick, took a shot, and grabbed Dario Gumbawale. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, it, you know, the – They've talked about him being the best pass catcher on the team. I, I don't expect that he's going to become this three-down amazing back. You know, if you watched him when he was at Wisconsin, he's not the fastest guy. Uh, you know, he's got good size. He is a good pass catcher, uh, and he's an okay runner. So he's going to get some opportunity, I think, just based on what the running back situation is in Tampa. That's going to be very fluid, but he could he could be the one because of his pass catching ability to get the most consistent snaps. Um, followed that up, I went ahead and grabbed Carlos Hyde and handcuffed him with Duke Johnson. I thought, what the hell? You know, it's it's I don't know what's going to happen there either, but I know Houston's got a pretty powerful offense. You know, they could end up in some games where uh, they're grinding out the clock and Hyde gets a lot of carries. Uh, finished up with Frank Gore, and uh, then I grabbed Darwin Thompson. Wow, okay. Went, in in the draft yesterday, he went undrafted. You know, people are so down now because he, you know, this is a this is redraft. Mm-hmm. It's not dynasty, and everybody's so sure. Uh, so many people are so sure that it's going to be Lashawn McCoy and Damian Williams, and. and you know, in the 16th round, I, I went ahead and grabbed Darwin Thompson. I figured, you know, it only takes, he, he's shown enough, but it only takes somebody to get dinged up one time or to be unproductive uh, one time for him to possibly get a shot. And who knows, he could grab that job and, and you know, become the leader of the three. Uh, wide receiver-wise, uh, you know, I started off with Juju and Hill. And then I went MVS, Gallup, Traquan Smith, Marquise Brown, Devin Punches is still the starter in Indianapolis. And so I'm like, in the 19th round, why the hell not? And finished out in the 20th with Terry McLaurin, who could be the, the number one on the Redskins as they uh, play from behind a lot. 
Uh, tight end, I went with Evan Ingram, grabbed him in the sixth round. Uh, didn't grab a backup. I feel like he's going to get a lot of volume this year. Um, you know, there's no uh, there's no OBJ there. Sterling, Sterling Shepard is the wide receiver. Uh, and Golden Tate is out for four weeks with suspension. So he's going to have a lot of opportunity, I think. Uh, went ahead and I, I stacked both, grabbed two quarterbacks backs and stacked both of them. Grabbed Aaron Rodgers in the ninth and Big Ben in the 14th. Okay. So, you know, I kind of tried to uh, feel like I insulated my quarterback situation a little bit. Um, it's going to be up in the air. It's going to involve me picking the right people to play, I think, after after about the first six rounds. Then it's going to get a little murky uh, trying to pick the right flex guys. Yeah, I, I could see that. How, um, man, I just had a question I wanted to ask you, and it just jumped completely out of my head. Oh, uh, the, the the waivers. Is it uh, uh, blind bids? Yes. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, so that makes sense. That is that is awesome. So in, in this draft, I did get sniped a couple times. I mentioned uh, earlier getting sniped on Patrick Mahomes. So yeah. the person picking in the 12 spot, they nailed me a couple of other times, too. So I, when I took Duke, I was weighing, taking Duke uh, and Darius Geis and Jarvis Landry. So I took Duke, and then Geis and Landry went in the next two picks. Oh. I, 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 I felt comfortable choosing Duke over Geis. When I did that, I, I, my plan was to take Landry at the uh, uh, next pick. Uh-huh. I, I was trying, I was looking for a Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry stack there. I got uh, Mayfield you. ended up going. So I, I was looking to take Baker Mayfield to stack him with Landry. Yeah. Uh, even though Landry got taken, I still was targeting Mayfield. Uh, but he went around before uh, I, I was going to take him. So I got a little snipe there. And then we had our buddy Blake Sullivan from the Hot Take Podcast. He's in this, was in this draft with me. And he was picking out of the four spot. Uh, and last night we were talking after the draft, and I, I, I shared with him my love for Preston Williams. Uh-huh. And uh, I was really a little bit disappointed uh, to watch Blake snipe me in the 14th round on Preston Williams. So, da- <laughs> so da- damn you, Blake. You know, when he did it, everybody laughed because I was sitting here giving him the one-finger salute when he did it. Uh, and then I was surprised, too. My guy, Quadri Allison, went... Uh, where'd Allison go? He went in the 14th round. Oh, okay. So I, did, I ended up not getting him in either draft. Um, I, I wasn't really aiming for him last night. In this draft, uh, I was looking uh, at my running back options, and he was uh, on my list. So I do like... I do like my teams. I'm not thrilled about having uh, Brown and Edelman both. I'm not thrilled about having Brown at all, but especially not thrilled about having him and Edelman on the same team. Right. Uh, I don't expect there's going to be much I can do uh, at that level on the waiver wire. Uh, that you know, we're not going to find a we're we're not going to find a wide receiver one or top fifteen wide receiver. Uh, on the waiver wire, uh, I don't expect so. I'm I'm a little chapped about that. So we'll see how it ro- plays out. I'm looking forward to this uh, 
this league and and kind of getting to know i enjoy the high stakes atmosphere that goes on out here uh-huh. you know everybody is uh really you know you know imagine your your favorite home draft yeah your home league draft and then imagine it like 20 times over four days <laughs> it's kind of what this experience is like you know there it there's catering there's booze not that i drink but you know there's diet coke and coffee for me uh, all kinds of draft boards from completed drafts up everywhere. Sports Illustrated covers, with, you know, like I said, we got Bill Enright from Sports Illustrated here, and he's been doing interviews uh, at the watch party on Thursday night. Uh, UNLV uh, newspaper was here, uh, our news station was here, and they were doing interviews. So that was pretty sweet. There's just, it's just been the environment. Uh, it's the kind of event that a sports nut wants to go to. Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. And thanks, thanks for just continually rubbing it in this entire time. You're you're making well, me feel so much better. It, <laughs> it can't be any worse than the Ronald Jones call. It, it can actually, because you know, at least the Ronald Jones call, I didn't have anything riding on it. I this is this is a whole mess. Like I don't want to get into it because it's just going to make me more upset. But like some of the things that have happened after that have just made everything. Ten times worse. So, but we'll we'll discuss that another time. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on with me while you're out there, man. Like I said, I really wish I could be there with you. It'd have been ten times more fun to actually get to be there with you and do this live in these draft rooms while this was all going on. Uh, so I hate that we did not get a chance to do that. But there's definitely next year. I'm gonna have to. I'll quit my job if I have to because I want to be there for that. Uh, that Thursday night kickoff party that you were talking about, because I, I, it sounds like it was a lot of fun, and having a chance to see Eric Dickerson and everything like that would have been awesome. Uh, but have a uh, definitely have a safe flight back. Enjoy tomorrow the first full Sunday slate of NFL football, and we will talk again here coming up, my my, my friend. Have a good one. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head.